you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. I'm going to turn up the volume here. Fair warning. Uh, it was coming in a little low, so that should be hopefully a little bit better. Or worse, depending on if uh, the volume was already perfect. As I said, I'm Jeff Ellis. I have hosted every single episode of this podcast since it began, all 500 plus, probably approaching 600 at this point in time. Episodes of Locked On Indians. Before that, I was at Scout and 24-7. And now I talk Indians uh, almost exclusively. That is my cat. He is 14, being very insistent that he needs to be part of the podcast. So let's talk about the Indians. They won one, and what a win today. Let's start with the game. Then we'll talk about some of the news around baseball. And then we'll throw some hypotheticals out there in the third part of the show today. Big win. Lots of home runs. I think Fran Mel Reyes traveled uh, like... Two three miles in his home runs, uh, unbelievable performance by him. Uh, Cesar Hernandez uh, goes deep again, which I believe now gives him his highest total ever in a single season. Jose Ramirez also went deep, keeping his team lead safe. Total home runs amongst those players: Fran Mills up to 19, Cesar is up to 18, Jose is up to 22. Zach Plesac. Uh, goes five innings. It's uh, I'm just trying to get his pitch count here. 89. So it's, it is interesting that they're not pushing like Plesac or Quantrell. It's fine. I'm totally fine with not sending those guys back out through the order again. Seven hits. I should go the other way. Two runs on seven hits, one walk, four strikeouts. Gave up one long ball. Uh, he also hit a batter on the other side of things for Cleveland. Uh, we talked about how Kim had been excellent, excellent, excellent. Like, he's been arguably the Cardinals' best pitcher over the last month. So, of course, he's the one they just tattoo in this game. He only goes two and two-thirds innings, gives up five runs on five hits, one walk, and four home runs. That's right, five hits, four of them home runs. The Indians were just seeing the ball very well. Their side of things, uh, one negative for the Indians in this, base stealing. Mercado and Zimmer both caught. Uh, Yadi Molina... Uh, has not lost it there. Who reached base twice in this one? Well, obviously Fran Mill. Fran Mill actually went three for three. Jose uh, did not. I'm sorry, that was a strikeout. And then Oscar Mercado, who had three walks. The Indians had four walks. He had three of them. Fran Mill had the other one. Uh, Cesar Hernandez had two hits. So it's Mercado, Reyes, and uh, Hernandez. When we do the uh, the fun math of this thing, though, so the Indians had nine hits, four walks, so that gives and the one hit batter, so that's fourteen potential base runners for them in this one. Uh, on the other side of things, they had one walk, seven hits, and one base runner, so they had nine. So you can see the fourteen versus nine. Yes, the Indians' long balls helped out, but they also just got on base more. Uh, three stars of the game, Franmo Reyes. I mean, clearly. You put him in there. Uh, if a starter goes five innings and gives up two runs, he's going to be one of my three stars. And then when it comes down to it, if I'm looking at the box score, you have to give it to Cesar over Jose. Cesar had two hits in this one. You know, it's two hits versus one hit. Advantage Cesar. 
interesting performance by him this year. Just a com almost a completely different player. Uh, I, you know, I <laughs> I was looking into players for the Indians to acquire, so I did not go look at Cesar. I wanted to see if he changed his angle at all. Now, it wouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a huge surprise that he's hitting for power. The guy did lead baseball, at least the American League, in doubles last year, and we have seen you know someone like Brian Roberts. If you are like me and you can remember him, <laughs> well, here's what's interesting: his launch angle is is definitely up this year. So that's that. There we go. But sometimes those guys have those breakout home run years that had a lot of doubles. They just get a little bit. You know, poke it out there a little more. So Cesar in 2019 was at 9.5 for launch angle, 5.6 last year, 11.5 this year. His career average is 7.9. That's a significant leap for him, and that is why those are going out more often. Is I mean, he, the launch angle, his exit velocity is lower than a year ago. He is barreling at a much higher percentage though, uh, but in general. He changed his launch angle. He changed his outcomes. His exit velocity and max is high, but the rest of them are low. His whiff rate is good. His chase rate is good. His sprint speed is good. His defense is miserable, which is odd because, you know, a year ago, his defense was utterly fantastic. I don't know what's happened. Uh, you go back to 2019, uh, 2018, it wasn't great. But 2019, 2020, both great. And that's what comes down with Cesar. You know, if the defense was higher... Uh, he would be a no-doubt keeper uh, just because you have him at such a good contract. Or he'd be a guy you could sell relatively high. We're seeing this market right now. Uh, have we had a single top 100 prospect change hands? Uh, I know people really like Jesus Lizardo. Again, we'll get into some of that in the second segment on the show. But Cesar right now, he is uh, a power bat. It's very weird to think about that in general. Uh, the Indians do not play tomorrow. They have the dual off days. I don't love going Sandlin, Class A, Karen Chalk. Yeah, they hadn't pitched since Sunday. It's okay if they get a long break. It's not like their arms fell off when they didn't pitch during the All-Star break. These guys get used so much. I'd rather just not see them at all. Uh, throw out a Trevor Steffen. You have a five-run lead. You can afford to go with someone else who hasn't pitched recently and let your horses rest. There's nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with letting your horses rest. That's my one complaint in this game. That's really the one thing that I'll, I'll stick and be like, I don't know why you need to do that. You're using Class A and Karen Chuck so much. Just, it's okay. They can they can take a week off. It's fine. It, it, their arms won't fall off. They didn't fall off during the All-Star break. They won't fall off during this week either. Uh, as for our players that are struggling, Bobby Bradley did not play. Uh, Yu Chen Chang had a hit, a double in this one. Uh, Harold Ramirez had one hit. He goes one for four. Uh, Bradley Zimmer was a pinch runner who got caught stealing. You know, those are kind of the guys. Uh, Jose Ramirez was DHing Fran Mill and Wright. I like seeing that more. Especially, I mean, if you can just get him in Wright, and he can be just a shade below average. Harold Ramirez and left, we'll see. If he can get just close to being an average bat again, you're setting yourself up well for future success. Uh, I mean, they should be getting Luplo back sooner rather than later, and at some point, and he was carrying the team for the first few weeks. Then it completely fell apart, but he's he makes the Indians better. 
So hopefully they can get him back and get him in the uh, swing of things, as it were. But yeah, the Indians, big win. I mean, they're all big wins at this point when you're struggling to stay over 500. Loss would have knocked them under. They would have been below 500 uh, by losing the Cardinals, now are 500. These are teams that are very much, in a lot of ways, mirrors. Two teams that should be better, two teams that have very frustrated fan bases that, uh, you know, they have been non-active while there's been a lot of movement around them. And, uh, you know, they both got the color red in their pattern scheme. So just very similar going on. Again, and your big story in this game, Fran Mo Reyes. It, that's, there's no debate, no doubt. Uh, those were, if you haven't watched them, st- I, I never tell you to stop listening to the podcast. I'm going to tell you to stop listening. It is worth specifically that first one. Go and watch that. It is unbelievable. He he cleared the park. He hit the ball out of uh, progressive field, right? <laughs> I still want to call it Jacob's Field. Sometimes I have to have that moment. I sometimes still talk about the Akron Arrows. Uh, let's be honest, for however long I do this podcast, I am going to occasionally say Cleveland Indians. Like That's just the way of it. I get stuck in my ways. But again, a win, always a good thing. Go check out the Fran Mail home runs. Watch them a few times. It just, it's just pure joy when you see someone who uh, just, it's unbelievable. I, I was just sitting there watching the game in utter kind of like shock and awe just at the the complete moonshot from Fran Mill Reyes. I'm going to take a quick break, come back, and talk about some of what's happening around the league by now, if you have needed a part for your car, I am hoping you went to rockauto.com. And I'm not saying that because they're a sponsor. I'm hoping because I've gone there. I've looked at it. You're going to get a deal. You're going to save money on your part for your car. I like to go through and just kind of uh, check out what the parts are that I need for my car occasionally and just use it as that comparison tool to make sure that the mechanic is not hosing me on maybe the hose I need for my car. But one of the things that's really nice and underrated there is not only is it just naturally low price saves you money, they also have a rebate section. They also have deals going on. There's always something that's occurring that's going to help you save even more money. If for you, all you do-it-yourselfers out there, you owe it to yourself to go to rockauto.com. And for people like me who are definitely not do-it-yourselfers, it's a great way to advocate for yourself and to make sure that you are getting a good deal on the parts you need for your car. Remember, that is rockauto.com in the How'd You Hear About Us box. You're going to say Locked On, Locked On Indians, Locked On MLB, some form of Locked On to let them know their advertising dollars are well spent. That is rockauto.com. Keep it in your back pocket. Use it as a tool. Rockauto.com. Make sure you let them know we sent you. So I've been, for how long, the, talking about the idea of consolidating. And the side there is who consolidated but the Yankees. You know, I saw people online saying they have great depth. They don't. I don't agree with that. They have some interesting players, but that is not... I actually like the Yankees minor league system more than maybe I've liked it in recent years. And I'm not big on Jason Dominguez, who's their top guy. Uh, Anthony Volope from a few years ago has definitely increased. Ken uh, Waduk from another one of those St. Mary's arms. Uh, you can't hurt yourself when you draft some St. Mary's pitcher is what it feels like anymore you know those are some guys in the system who have stepped forward this year Esteban Floreal who I've been a huge uh not fan of is actually finally starting to live up to the hype they have a lot of 
interesting pieces. They don't have a lot of great pieces, and they somehow turned the depth of the system. I know some people really like Duran. Uh, baseball Prospectus, I saw one of their writers was saying that he was in discussion for their top 50. That feels aggressive, as like I didn't see anywhere where anyone else really considered him higher than like sixth or eighth in the Yankee system. And the Indians, Yankee system, do not have six guys in the top 50. But Baseball Pro is always a little different. Remember, they were the high ones on Gabriel Arias. Uh, they seem to... Uh, there's So if one was being cynical, uh, if you were higher on guys that you know the rest of the industry is a little lower on, when they hit, it makes you look better, and everybody misses. Uh, there is a thing, back in the day, I used to listen to the Mel Kuyper's podcast on ESPN Radio, and he pretty much got caught out and admitted to he will put a player in the back end of his first round knowing he won't actually go there uh, months ahead of time. So later on he can be like, well, I did have that player in my first round when that player breaks out or when that player ends up being drafted higher than expected. Hedging bets. Uh, and I sometimes think in prospect rankings we see that, that people will kind of hedge a bet. And uh, I don't really know who's at baseball prospectus right now if I'm being honest it's not a a dig on them they've had some great work and a lot of great people over the years but they are they do things very differently let's just put it that way they they tend to stand on their own which is both good and bad uh i i think it's great that they stand on their own and do their own thing but they're in a situation where yeah uh, now that's going to get quoted is like yeah they got a top 50 prospect or someone who's in discussion for the top 50 and i don't know if that's really a true valuation you know, I think, again, you look at what the Yankees traded. They did exactly what I've been talking about the Indians doing. They traded guys more back into the top 10, consolidated multiple pieces, and they got a year and a half of Joey Gallo, who, I mean, he might hit 60 in New York next year. It's going to be crazy to watch. Now, the other problem is going to be uh, how the media reacts to his uh, universally low batting averages. He's not uh, not really a guy statistically made for New York, if we are being honest. And I say that as someone who lived there for six years. So th- that was an interesting trade. It was just the sadness of like, oh, why aren't the Indians consolidating? And I know people say like, who should they consolidate for? Uh, Mullins isn't on the market. You know, needs to be more than a year and a half. You know, I talked about J.D. Brubaker on the show. I've brought up uh, other players and names on teams we've dug around in some of the teams that are not playing as well uh yeah Reynolds and Mullins uh do not seem to be likely on the move but even on that very same like Texas team and there's there's the obvious one you're probably expecting me to say Adal's Garcia but the trend line on him is very bad what about Nate Lowe brother of Josh Lowe who uh the Rangers acquired this past offseason this is a guy who now is up to for his career 652 plate appearances Runs created plus of 111. Uh, miserable defender, even at first base. Probably should be a DH only. I know the Indians already have someone like that. But here's a player who won't even be arbitration eligible until 2023. He won't be a free agent until 2027. Uh, in 12 home runs. I'm trying to see if I can pull up his percentage data uh, over on Fangraphs as well. 14% walk rate, 26% strikeout rate. He walks at a good rate. He hits for okay, not necessarily great power, but he's on you know on track to have over 20 home runs. Let's see what his projection for the rest of the year is. Uh, I'm sorry, he's only got no, he's got 12 home runs this year. Okay, so these aren't they have their zips and their steamer, but they don't have like the continuation stats. 
Uh, he, you know, let's see. So f- he's up to 99 games. Uh, he's got 12 home runs. Yeah, I mean, he's on track for around 20. But again, he gets on base, 359. Uh, he would be undoubtedly an upgrade for the Indians. Uh, there's Garcia. There's other players. You can find productive talent out there. I would love to see Nate Lowe. Uh, I know people are like, well, where does he play? Again, put Fran Mellon right, put Lowe at DH. How much better is your lineup that way? Uh, put Lowe at first base. He is better than Bobby Bradley. You know, Bobby Bradley hopes to be, you know, if everything works out, he is more power potential than low, but nowhere near the on-base skills. And probably about equal parts in when we see defensive grades. So, yeah, I guess I could go over to Baseball Savant and just compare and see what they have to say about Nate Lowe. But there's a player right there in Texas, and... Again, that is clearly a deep teardown. And I know they just acquired Lowe, like I said, last offseason. But this is a team that is not contending anytime soon. He's already 26. Yeah, so here just Nate Lowe's data. You ready? Hard hit percentage, 77th. Average exit velocity, 85th. Barreled, 69th. Chase, 87. Walk percentage, 93. Sprint speed, 58. He actually runs well. Uh... Barrel percentage 69th, expected weighted on base 62nd, expected batting average 33, K percentage 22, and outs above average 14. Those are the only things in the blue. Most things are in the red. Call the Rangers and trade three prospects for Nate Lowe. He's going to make your team better. It's not hard to find those guys. Throw another name out there. What about Pittsburgh and Jacob Stallings? Now you might be thinking, the Indians have catchers. They do, and they do their job, and I appreciate what they do uh, defensively, but they have been black holes of offense. There are definitely pitchers who do more than the Indians' offense. When you look at someone like Austin Hedges, his frame rate is down this year. He's not even bringing as much value as he was supposed to bring uh, comparatively to, I think, what a lot of us expected. Uh, There was a tweet from Royals Farm Report, whose podcast I've been on. They're good dudes, but they talked about this. Stallings has the 10th most valuable defensive catcher in the MLB this year. A 101 runs created plus, a 1.7 F war so far this year. Uh, Joey Votto is a average defender at first base with a 135 runs created plus, and he has been worth 1.7 F war in just about the same number of plate appearances. That's the value of Stallings' defense. What stands out is it's not just that his defense is, you know, this guy is listed as a top 10 defensive catcher. But he's league average bat. I, if you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a hundred thousand times between the podcast and my writing. A league average bat with good defense is a top five player at their position at catcher. You might wonder about his frame rate. It's 40th percentile. It's not great, but again, Austin Hedges is in the 40s as well. Uh, Roberto Perez is in the 90s. There, there's a difference there. He's got a lot of light blue. K percentage is 62. Walk percentage, 63. Those are both light red. Chase rate, 54. Uh, Worst thing for him is sprint speed, but again, catcher. And the other thing, just to point out with Stallings, is if you go out and you spend those prospects, you consolidate and you add a Stallings. Because remember, you know, catching is very weak in the system. They don't have help on the way. And Bo Naylor has struggled massively this past year in AA. 
Uh, his his stock is probably he's going to be lower ranked than he was before the year began. Uh, so someone like Stallings, arbitration eligible this year, not a free agent until 2025. So if you go out and you trade for Stallings, he's only got two years of service time. So you get him for 22, 23, 24, three years of team control. And if you go before this year, in 2020, he had a 93 runs created plus and was a positive defender. Go back to 2019, and that's in 42 games, shortened season. Go back to 2019, 71 games, 82 runs created plus, very positive defender. So he's he fits the Indians' defensive profile. He has been getting better every year. He is 31, but you have him for three years of team control at a reasonable price. He should be someone the Indians are calling on, honestly, uh, especially because it's very easy to then talk with Pittsburgh and be like, okay, we'll send you Hedges back uh, as part of the deal. Now, the Hedges for stalling is not a fair trade, but when you do Hedges and one of those Rule 5 pieces, uh, Jose Tenio went yard tonight, you know, maybe you flip him in that deal as a secondary piece, uh, something like that, then it makes a little more sense. Uh, we'll talk about what deals would look like for these players in this third segment of the show. And you know, we'll maybe talk about a few other players. I'll just go ahead and say this now. So Brian Reynolds has shown a little bit of regression in the second half here. Not a ton. He's still performing well. Who is not a Cedric Mullins. I would sell just about anything to acquire him in a trade. We'll also take a look at what a Mullins deal would look like. How you blow Baltimore away. Because I don't think anyone is truly off the table for them. Because again, this is a team that is nowhere near contending. Uh, has been stocking up assets, and Mullins is a 26-year-old who you have team control of. Oh, it's not popping up here. Well, that's annoying. Uh, he has one year of service time. That's why it's not popping up. So when we talked about I mean, he's a guy you would get like five years of control if you acquired him. Uh, it makes him incredibly valuable, arguably the most valuable trade commodity uh, in baseball. And we'll explore all of that stuff in a moment. So our fantastic sponsor is Bet Online. I don't have any lines to go look up because the Indians have an off day tomorrow. Uh, there is no, you know, discussion of, you know, do they favor? Do I agree? Do I disagree with Bet Online? You know what? They do have odds, though. I am sure we'll go there and see if they have odds on the NBA draft. Which, hey, you know, I know most Cleveland fans will probably be watching that instead. Uh, and we have an NBA draft, like whole big show with like an in studio thing that's pretty cool to go check out so you could go and look at that here's some olympics basketball uh so maybe they don't have basketball nba draft there it is you can go first round nba draft we'll discuss this fifth overall pick is where they're starting to take lines they're not taken before no here we go maybe fifth overall pick must be getting the most action uh first overall pick kate cuttingham minus ten thousand. Wow, they really believe in that one. Let's let's see who they think uh, the Cavs are taking three. Negative 750 for Evan Mobley. So, uh, yeah, go check out Bet Online today. If any of these look good, you could bet on total trades over under of 6.5 for the first round. I'm betting under. I'm betting there'll be under six and a half trades in the first round. I don't think it's going to be quite that crazy. I am curious if, it's, if a trade occurs that does not involve uh, picks. Does that count as a trade in the first round or not? We'll have to wait and see. But go check out Bet Online today. Promo code is locked on. That gets you a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Go to Bet Online. Check it out for yourself. So before we go and explore some of those trades, we should talk about something. The trade deadline has been kind of what you know I was hearing through the grapevine. T 
teams are less willing to trade prospects than ever. Even a trade like that Joey Gallo trade, you're seeing a team that traded, what, one? Uh, one, like, top ten prospect, maybe two. We're seeing a lot more guys traded that are back-end, not top-end, but back-end prospects. It's been fascinating to watch. Uh, teams have gotten more and more precious with their own prospects to almost a crazy degree. It means it's very hard to get value. So that being said, let's discuss the trade that's never going to happen. I, I Probably someone out there being like, why bother? I love me some Cedric Mullins. He's currently worth a 46.8, which to me is an undervalue. Because uh, like Joey Gallo with his like four years of control, uh, let's see, Mullins is 3.3 years you're getting him for. Or, so, but with Gallo being a year and a half, Mullins being three and a half, I can't believe that Mullins is barely worth more. So you go over to the Guardians now, not the Indians, you, to get to 42 points. I think you have to start with uh, the number one prospect by list here, which is Tyler Friedman. Now, that's going to immediately make people go, no, no, no. And I, I understand why. But I will again say when there's just hit tool as the primary above average tool and everything else is average to below, the player that Freeman is most similar to in contact rate skills, side data, it, it's Francisco Mejia. It is a very hit or miss profile. No pun intended. It's just the truth of it. He's going to be really good or he's going to struggle to be a regular. There's no in between because it's either your bat skills are that elite or it, it doesn't work out. Uh, so once you have him in the deal, let's come back to your next major pieces. Ricoio, Rule 5 guy. So he's at a 15.8. Now we're already up to a 40.6. So Freeman and Ricoio, both Rule 5 guys for Mullins. Uh, we need to get about another 6 points of value by the trade machine. Again, imperfect science at the best of times. But still, something we can play around with, take a look at, try and figure out. Uh, let's see... Owen Miller could be your third. Owen Miller very much fits the uh, profile of what the uh, Orioles like. Uh, they get three up-the-middle players with Miller, Ricoyo, Freeman. Miller is someone they could slot in right away. It's a team that does not really have any shortstop prospects in their system. Freeman could be someone to eventually take over at second. Uh, Owen Miller could uh, get some time at third, and Ricoyo could be that shortstop of the future they lack. 47.3 to the Orioles, 46.8 to the Indians. I know if you're a fan of Tyler Freeman, you're screaming, no, no, no. There are people who wouldn't trade him for Mike Trout, I feel like. There are people who love him to an extreme degree that I have not seen since, again, Francisco Mejia. But I personally, I would do that deal in a heartbeat. My only uh, downside, and this is me trying to move quickly, is that maybe try to pull Owen Miller out, uh, include someone else slightly down the board a little, just so you have another second base option uh, for this team, kind of in the upper minors. But that's that's trade one. Now let's look at this another way. Let's see if the Indians move Cesar Hernandez to a team like the White Sox. Now, if the Indians aren't going anywhere this year, Hernandez, I do think, has some trade value. So I think the best way to get max value would be to trade him to the White Sox because you're able to get a little bit more in division. And they've done it very rarely in the past. But again, they're not going anywhere this year. Cesar Hernandez is worth 1.3. The downside, of course, is probably the three guys you'd be looking at here. 
that might potentially make sense. Jimmy Lambert and Jonathan Stever, who fit the Indians' philosophy towards pitchers and the arms they'd like to acquire, but also have struggled to find success, so could be movable for the White Sox. And maybe Jake Berger, who has just been hurt and finally got a chance this year, still has power potential. He gives the Indians another kind of first base bat uh, type, but the problem is the White Sox are so picked over, it's really hard to figure out something that makes a ton of sense. And last year was the short draft, and they were also a team that, by taking Jared Kelly in round two, uh, they really didn't have a ton of extra pool money, so they went seniors kind of down the board, so they don't have that uh, interesting faraway prospect. So the White Sox may not make the most sense. Let's look at the Austin Shenton idea I had from the podcast earlier this week. I mean, the website grade Shenton under 4.6 would put him higher than uh, Cesar. So who knows? It, it feels harder and harder to find that good Cesar match. But let's talk about the other teams. Let's go check out what Nate Lowe would cost us in prospects. Now, they list him as a low probability to trade. Again, I'll just point out that he is 26 years old and on a very bad team. His core years are coming up, and the Rangers aren't going to benefit. So if they are selling Gallo... I think they'd be willing to sell anyone. Getting to 27.3 is, again, going to be a bit of a costly exercise. And I know some people get mad because they always go with Brian Arcoyo, but he's also the one who has the highest value. And if you're making a trade, when you just go pure prospects, according to the the trade ranking site, it goes Freeman, Jones, Valera, Espino, Naylor, Arcoyo. When you go down that list, Jones, Freeman, and Arcoyo are the Rule 5 guys. So I start with him again because they have so many shortstops. That's the other thing. Like, he is always the guy that I am perfectly... If I end up being wrong, I end up being wrong. But uh, they have so many shortstops. Still need to get another 12 points of value at this point in time. Uh, Aaron Bracho has not been quite the breakout. I think a lot of us expected from him this year. He is the guy who's probably outside the top 10 after being inside the top 10, if I am being honest, in my rankings by the midseason. Still need to get to another two points, even with Bracho and Rokoyo. Uh, you could do that in a myriad of ways. Uh, if you were the Indians, you could conceivably trade Bobby Bradley back that way as the other piece. Now, if you're getting a first baseman, uh, well, Bobby Bradley's up to a 16.7. They all of a sudden are, are investing in him. Uh, so if you put in Bobby Bradley, you could do take out Rokoyo, who people get mad at me for always trying to trade bobby bradley and aaron bracho gets you to a i lost my uh, website there to a 26.4 so that gives you 0.9 away essentially need to send a point their way to even it out to get down to a player that is worth a 0.9 who are the players we're talking about mitch luongo uh richie palacio so i strongly disagree with that ranking eli morgan a little bit further down, I mean, Jolanski Noel, Miguel Cairo, Hunter Gaddis, except Raymond Burgos, who I've talked about. Maybe you send one of those guys. Uh, it's not a big deal. You might be able to get away with these two and then a, a long reach, a lot of ticket. Now let's, what do you think? We don't have a lot of time left, so let's quickly do Jake Stallings. Okay, so here's my idea for Stallings trade. Jose Tenio would be exactly perfect with Hedges and Bracho, but I'd rather not trade him. What about with what about Sam Henches, who's down in double-A? Uh, Aaron Bracho and Austin Hedges, who has a value of zero. That comes to a total value of 11.5. Jacob Stallings, 11.4. You might get a defensive catcher that the Indians like. They would actually consider acquiring, who's been a league average bat, which is amazing value. 
four. Uh, a big lefty who throws hard but kind of straight. Uh, second base only prospect who is all bat, no glove, and a defensive catcher who hasn't but is good defensively. This one I find easy to jump on. Of all the trades I've talked about, this is the one that I'm I'm rolling out there tomorrow if Pittsburgh says okay, and I think they at least have to consider it. There are people who are big fans of Bracho. They get a replacement catcher who can step in and, and also do a good job of handling a young staff. Uh, if we expanded this out to include Brubaker, what would it then look like? I mean, that's probably when you have to include Rocolio. Brubaker's up to an 18.5 in value right now. Uh, Brubaker's in the 18s. Uh, if we wanted to extend it out even further and talk Reynolds, you'd be looking at probably like Jones and Freeman to get there. But yeah, I mean, again, I am me and Brubaker and Stallings for Bracho, Rocoyo, Hedges, and uh, Henches. I do that tomorrow. That's two 40 man slots, clearing four 40 man slots, just some good uh, overall math in that way. You get a upgrade with a fifth starter, you get an upgrade at catcher. Let me know what you think. Who should the Indians look at? Are you going to be happy with this deadline if they do nothing? Uh, Tomorrow, Pat and I will be talking any trades that happen or don't happen, so make sure to tune in. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked in Indians podcast. Go Guardians. Go Tribe. Go Cleveland baseball team, wherever we are right now.